Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, there's something about today, here, among family and friends, in the congregation of the faithful, seeing the pastors decked out in white, and the smell of the chancel adorned with lilies, Something about all of this makes it easy to announce the resurrection of Christ and to respond by saying, He is risen indeed, and to shout and sing your joyful alleluias. But what happens when you walk out those doors a little later this morning? When you go back to sorrow and worry and guilt and trouble and pain, and even death. What then? Then it gets harder, doesn't it? This resurrection doesn't seem so real. It seems more like Jesus was risen back then. And back then doesn't seem to be with you here and now. You know the history of the Lord's people and the scriptures have accounts of people raised from the dead. But when was the last time that you saw a resurrection? When was the last time that you went to a funeral and the dead guy got up and walked away? Resurrections are outside your experience. And quite frankly, they seem a lot more like fairy tales than real history. But whether real or imaginary, everyone knows the accounts of the resurrection of Jesus are old, far, far removed from living memory. It's not as though our elder members can look back on this time and say, remember when? And even if someone could remember it, It's still something that happened to somebody else. If that's all that Easter is, then today is just a silly reenactment. And you're the audience watching grown men in white robes play pretend. And you come to be part of the play, to sit there and try to really try to imagine what it must have been like to be there at the empty tomb. And if that's what's going on, then all you get is a memory of Jesus. If that's all that Easter is, then you didn't have to come to church today. There's a thousand, thousand better ways that you could spend your day. You can offer your praise to God anywhere, and you don't have to be here. If all you get from today is a memory of Jesus, then you don't really have him. You have only his real absence. But you know that Easter is more than a mere memory, much more than play acting. For Easter is a door to the future. Easter is the resurrection promise from your Lord, that on the last day, 
Your death doesn't get the last word. Your Jesus does. And on that day, he will open up your grave and pull you out. And he'll take your soul that's been with him since you died, and he'll put it back into your body, now glorified and raised like his own. And you will live in this body that you now have for all eternity with Jesus. On that day, there will be no more sorrow or crying or pain, no more death or cancer or heart trouble or autoimmune disease, no more jealousy or gossip or lust or hatred or anger or despair, no more shattered hopes or broken promises or failed relationships. With Christ, you will be content, resting full of comfort in your Savior's arms. And that's a pretty good deal. Jesus takes your sin in his death, and in exchange, he gives you his life. And although you have sinned daily and sinned much, by his shed blood, you get to be with him in heaven forever. Looking forward to the fulfillment of these promises of Jesus to you is good. Your resurrection on the last day is great and wonderful news. And yet there's something about it that's just out of reach. Resurrection waits for you on the other side of death's door or Jesus' return. And you can't quite get there now. So if you want to know the heavenly resurrected life in the future, you'll just have to wait. So today it seems you can't quite hold it in your hand just yet. It seems like all you're left with is your imagination. On that first Easter day, the women go to the tomb but where they expect to find the lifeless body of Jesus, they are instead met by a messenger, an angel from heaven, and he does what angels are sent to do. He preaches a sermon to them. You heard it this morning in the gospel. The angel says that Jesus of Nazareth, the one they seek, was crucified, that he is alive, that he is not here. His resurrection happened, and they missed it. The one thing that Jesus had talked about more than anything else in all the world had finally been accomplished, and no one was there to see it happen. And now he is not here. Now he's gone. It seems like these women are going to be left just like us, they won't get to see the resurrected Jesus until they meet him in Galilee. For now, they'll be left with only their memory of him. All they have until then is his absence. Now, we heard the angel's word earlier about Jesus being crucified, but there's something that we lose in our English translation 
the way that English grammar works, usually we're concerned with when something happens, sort of past, present, future, it's kind of the order of things, and we tend to think about time. But Greek has a different focus. Greek is interested in actions, whether something is a one-time thing or ongoing, or whether something has been finished or it continues to be true. Now, I know this is probably a little bit technical, but, but bear with me. So if someone said in English, I was married, does he mean to refer to the date of his wedding? Or is he telling you that he used to be married? Without more context, it's a little bit unclear. But if he were to say that in Greek, the grammar would tell you exactly what, we, what he meant. And this is important for us if we want to understand what the angel is saying. So when we heard Jesus was crucified, it was clear that the crucifixion happened in the past. But the idea in the angel's words is that the crucifixion continues to remain true and has continuous effect. So perhaps instead it would be better to say, you seek Jesus who is crucified, or Jesus the crucified one. Okay, you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with me today? And maybe it does seem a, a little bit esoteric. But the angel here is making a profound theological point. The crucifixion wasn't just a single event in the past and Boy, are we glad that that's over and done. But rather, the crucifixion of the second person of the Holy Trinity means that Jesus still bears the marks of his passion. And not to get too carried away, we'll hear more about that next Sunday. But the crucifixion is the defining reality of who Jesus is for us. And if the crucifixion defines even, in a way, who Jesus is, that this, in a way, is wrapped up in his identity, that means that this crucifixion is the center of all reality. The death of Jesus is the sacrifice for all sin, and his resurrection is the Father's approval and acceptance of that death on our behalf. This sacrifice remains complete and continues to define all of history. This means that the resurrection of Jesus as well isn't just an event stuck in the past or something that you have to wait your entire life to be able to participate in. Easter is more than a door to the past, more than a door to the far-off, far-away future. It's a door to the future that's waiting for you five minutes down the road. And it's a door to the present, right here, right now. But how? How can this be? How can I walk out there and face all the trouble of my life with only a promise of the resurrection? How does this event get pulled out of the past and brought back to me from the future? How am I not left like the women at the tomb? Where can I go to find Jesus?
Well, again, it takes us back to the crucifixion and resurrection. For Jesus doesn't leave you with a simple memory of him. He doesn't leave you with a mere symbol while he is off somewhere else in time or space. Jesus won your salvation on the cross. He came out of that tomb. But you don't have to go back to that cross or that tomb in order to get salvation. Rather, Jesus comes among you. In the waters of holy baptism, he buries you in his death so that you are raised with him in new life. Baptism now saves you. This is the entire basis of your life in him. Jesus has taken the benefits of his cross and brought them into your present. So his resurrection isn't floating out there somewhere for you to grasp with only your mind. Jesus has made you one with him in that baptismal flood. And even now, even today, though you have brought your sins with you, Jesus has taken you and plunged you back into that baptismal water by the word of the pastor who stands in his stead, who speaks by his command and forgives you all your sins. By his holy word, he comes also to this bread and wine upon the altar. He says of the bread, it is his body. He says of the wine, it is his blood. And so it is. This is no mere symbol. There is no mere communing by memory. This is the living body and blood of Jesus, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Jesus takes his resurrected life and he puts it in your mouth so that now you bear in your own flesh the resurrection of Jesus. Resurrection means a living body, which is precisely what happens when Jesus puts his resurrected body onto the paten and his blood into the chalice and puts them on your tongue. That is why you have come today. Jesus is here delivering the benefits of his sacrifice in the feast upon this altar. And this is also why there aren't particularly any unique ceremonies for Easter. Our observance of the divine service is kind of normal. Yes, there's special music and extra flowers and continual shouts of Alleluia, but this is kind of what our service looks like most of the year. None of today's ceremonies would really be out of place on another Sunday. Whenever there is a baptism and whenever there is a funeral, we light the Paschal candle. This morning we entered the Lord's house only upon hearing the living voice of Jesus, forgive us all our sins. And this is what happens every week. In the Lord's church, every Sunday looks a lot like Easter Sunday. And that's because in the Lord's church, every Sunday is Easter. Easter is a celebration of our Lord's resurrection. And every Sunday he comes to this place with his crucified, resurrected, living, holy body and precious blood. 
And so, in the church, the resurrection of Jesus is normal because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. This is the basis and the structure of all reality. Now Jesus calls you to live inside his own life, to have his world-changing life be the entire order and structure of your reality. So everything you face in this life comes to you through this statement, Jesus is raised from the dead. Sorrow and worry and guilt and lowliness and shame and loss and evil and pain and yes, even death. None of these no longer need to terrify you. In this kind of life where those things cannot hurt you, it is a life of peace and healing and hope and joy and courage and generosity and mercy and life and witness and everlasting love. When confronted with these things that come from our resurrected Lord, even death retreats. If Jesus is risen from the dead, then everything, everything that Jesus said is true. Jesus hasn't authorized us to doubt his words or to turn them into an abstraction. His words must mean what they say. In fact, 501 years ago this very day, Martin Luther was brought up before the Diet at Worms and ordered to recant his teachings. And after a night to consider and to think about it, he came back the next day and said no. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, only the sacred scriptures that Jesus said were true could convince Luther that he was teaching falsely. But no one could prove him wrong because he had God's word. And so it is for you. By your baptism into Christ Jesus, you are bound eternally to his living, resurrected flesh. Jesus is raised and you live. Oh, in Jesus, everybody lives and nobody dies. Now, if you've thought of God as distant and hard and threatening, and you've always kind of suspected that you're just not quite good enough, and if you haven't found the courage yet to live out this resurrection every day, then Easter is for you. Today is the day that Jesus doesn't give you what your sins deserve. Today, Jesus doesn't kill you. This is the day that Jesus kills everything that threatens you. Every idol, every sin, every hatred, every guilty conscience, every darkness, every death, so that you can come home forever. On Easter, Jesus brings you a new way to be alive when he touches you with the divine life of his word and sacrament when he baptizes and absolves and explains the scriptures to you, when he takes and blesses and gives his holy supper. This is what he does for you 
every Sunday, and every time God's people gather. Jesus is back from the dead this morning to speak his loving words to you, to wash all your sins from you. No matter what you've done or who you are, Jesus is back here to forgive more sins than you could ever possibly bring. And he'll be back again next week, too. Next Sunday, when this church feels strangely empty, that's Easter, too. And Jesus will be among us with his same gifts. So if you want the resurrection of Jesus to make a difference in your life, then you will be found where he is giving out his resurrection life. So long as Jesus is the crucified one who is raised, we do as St. Paul bids us in today's epistle. We keep the feast. His resurrection isn't just a memory or a hope for the future. The resurrection of Jesus is here, now, present tense, and it's for you. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen.